Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. The book of James, chapter 2, verse 26. I want you to notice with me in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 26, what we've been dealing with and what we've been, the Lord has blessed us to get ready to deal with uh, in this particular series. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Based on what I just read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Faith that works. Faith that works. If you'll go back with me to the book of James chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read James chapter 1 and verse 1 to give us an introduction to where we're going in this particular message. First of all, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. First of all, a bondservant is a slave. It is a servant. It is one who gives himself up to another will. It's someone who is devoted to God in disregard to his own interests. You remember when Jesus was on the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but your will be done. So he said, basically, I want your will to be done in my life. I want your will to be done. He is the author of this particular book, and we see that the letter was written to the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad. Uh, many historians believe that this was written to the Jewish Christians who were scattered. And even being scattered, God uses his word to bring us together. In fact, you will see that it not only happening in that day, but you see it happening even today. That we come together based upon the word of God. We gather together based on the word of God. Now, I believe that James was identified as a bondservant. It, this indicates that he was qualified to teach us the importance of having faith and working together despite our human will, our desires, and emotions. How many can agree that we're different? God made us different. But that also makes us blessed as well. Is that right? Nothing wrong with being different. I thank God we're different. I don't want everybody to act and think like me. It makes it more interesting when I got you in my life because you make my life a little bit more interesting. Hallelujah to God. It takes mature faith to consistently let go of our will in order to be able to have confidence as well as conviction to hear and apply his word with corresponding actions. Now, remember, works is two definitions we want to keep in our mind is a corresponding action as well as we want it to be effective. We don't want just to have the word, but we want to be effective in our everyday life. That's why I believe James understood scriptures like uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So we walk, which is progress. We make de- do, do use of opportunities. We regulate our lives by faith and not by sight. Opportunities that comes through his word, such as we, excuse me, we get opportunities to act on his word, we take advantage of it. We pray, we give, we love, we do good unto others. 
We also take advantage of natural opportunities as well, such as work advancement, school opportunities, business opportunities, and so forth. Let's go look at another scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please. What does please mean? It means to gratify him, him being Jesus. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, faith-filled people strive to seek Jesus in every situation they come across. They, try, they want to acknowledge him in all their ways, and he shall direct our path. And then as we continue to do that, it causes us, to, as we continue to learn his word, we continue to grow in the written as well as revealed word of God. Now let's go back over to James chapter 1 and verse 2. The book of James chapter 1 and verse 2. It says this, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, fall into various trials. James begins this book by addressing the mindset as well as the emotional wellness of his audience who seemingly were facing some challenges as well as adversity. James is telling us that we're going to have to understand that every now and then we're going to deal with some challenges when it comes to our life. But we want the word of God to be in our life so the word can be effective when we deal with challenges. I would hate to have a word that God gives me and I couldn't use it in my everyday life. That's why God will give us a word, but not only will he give us a word, that word will be effective. It's going to accomplish whatever he sent it out to do. My job is to believe it and to apply it, and then I let God do the rest. Because I cannot depend on me to have, listen, to work things out. I've got to depend on God to do what he said according to his word. And so when I deal with adversity, James 1 and 2, my brother counted all joy when you fall into various trials. So he told me to have joy, which is calm, which is delight, which is gladness. James was letting them know that we need to manage our emotions and responses when we're dealing with opposition, conflict, people who oppose us, and bring the, uh, individuals who bring obstacles in our life, such as adversity. He wanted them, as well as us, to know we're going to experience adversity, trials, tribulation, and trouble. In fact, one scripture says, think it not strange when these things come upon your life. Sometimes if you know it's, and one thing I, the Lord dealt with about, and I want to share this with you, if you know it's going to be a hostile environment, don't go in there loaded, go in there with joy. Let me let that sink in for a moment. Because sometimes when we know it's going to be hostile, we go in there with both, both, both guns loaded. If they say this, I'm ready for them. If they say this, I'm ready for them. If they raise their eyebrow just half an inch, I'm ready for them. If I, I'm ready for them because why? We go in there loaded. Sometimes, you listen, if you know it's going to be hostile, you need to go in there with joy in your heart. Say, I'm going to be calm no matter what they do to me. 
way. Boy, that got quiet right there. I know that's a word for some of us in this sanctuary. Because sometimes we go in there loaded because we know it's going to be hostile. We read it. Amen. I know they say something to me right now. I got something for them right now. I'm just waiting to take, give them peace of my mind. But that ain't what God tells us to do. He says, count it all joy. I've got to go in there with peace, even though I know it's not going to be peaceful around me. But I've got to have peace that passes all understanding. Now, this is what you can't prepare for every situation, because some people are going to catch you off guard, and they're going to have to suffer the consequences. No, <laughs> we got to be more mature than to let people see all of us acting the way, the way we shouldn't act. we got to be more mature than that. In fact, sometimes as Christians, as mature saints, we got to make up in our mind, no matter what goes my way, I'm going to keep this joy in my life. I'm going to keep calmness. I'm going to keep delight. I'm going to keep gladness no matter what I experience. And then I got to prepare myself before I go into these environments with joy, a calm reaction, and with some of us will be further along if we responded spiritually instead of carnally. Mm-hmm. And then, then some of us who are working on, God is working on us right now. How many know, how many can confess God working on you right now? And you, don't you appreciate God working on you right now? Hallelujah. And, and, but some of us, we got to be grateful for the small, small uh, rewards that we get. For example, some of us, hey, 30 seconds, we would have gone off of these folks. But now here it is, eight minutes later. And we ain't got mad, we ain't got upset, and we just think, listen, people talking, but we're just amazed. Oh, man, a, a year ago, six months ago, that I gave them peace of my mind, been in the car, and been on down the road somewhere. But now God has changed me. Here it is, eight minutes later, and I ain't got mad at nobody. I ain't got upset, I ain't, listen, I ain't grabbed nobody, I ain't told nobody off, I ain't threw nothing at somebody. God must be working on me. God must be working on me. God must be doing exceedingly abundantly above in my life according to the word that's working on me. Lord, all them times Pastor Dobbs said this, that, and the other, that word must be working on me. That omniscient God must be changing the way I think, the way I talk, and the way I act. God must be working on me. Yeah, I got upset at minute nine, but I went eight whole minutes. It used to be a time 30 seconds in there. I would have went and told every last one of them all. And walk back the door, but God must be working on me. Woo-wee. Boy, somebody can testify to the fact that God is working on you. You ain't the same person you used to be. God is bringing, bringing you up to the place he wants you to be. You appreciate what God is doing in your life. You think, and see, some people may not, listen, be happy for you, but I believe God is happy for you. I believe that you ought to be happy for yourself. You ought to celebrate. You ought to buy yourself some ice cream. Woo, I'm buying myself some ice cream because I know I'm a lot better than what I used to be. Yeah, I'm, I, listen, I know he ain't finished with me yet, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. And give me about six more months, you may not even recognize me again. Because I'm going to keep coming into the house of God, getting his word, applying it in my everyday life. Lord, using that word in my home, in my finances, in my relationships. And I'm going to be better than what I used to be. How many can testify that God is making you better than what you used to be? God is doing it, ain't he? He can do all things, save, fail. See, maturity says I'm going to operate in the joy of the Lord despite my adversity. 
I'm going to operate in the joy of the Lord despite my adversity. Go with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10. This is a witness of the power and the benefits of God. Nehemiah, chapter 8, and verse 10. Notice what it says in Nehemiah 8, and verse 10. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength means he's your force. It's your source of strength. He is your fortress and your solid rock. And see, fortress equates protection. See, joy brings protection against adversity and other emotional ungodly attacks. Joy does. Joy will have you thinking, talking, and acting the way God wants you to do. Listen, when adversity comes, you got joy, which is a fortress, a protection against the enemy. Go, James, let's go back over to James chapter 1 and verse 3. James chapter 1 and verse 3. James says this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I want you to know if every believer in this sanctuary that your Faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. You ain't got to worry about if this coming to pass. This is all probably already happened as well as it is happening in your life right now. Your faith is going to be tested. God says this in his, excuse me, James says this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, notice, it's going to produce something. It's going to produce what the Bible says, patience. What is patience? Endurance. Consistency despite trials and trouble. Continuance on God despite what we see. We depend on God despite what we see. Listen, things around us can look funny, but we have a patience, and patience is working in us. And I'm going to add one more definition here. Obeying God while you wait on God. Obeying God while you wait on God. In other words, you got to act right while you still wait on God. Because some of us, all of us had to learn this lesson right here. You got to learn how to act godly while you wait on God. Because sometimes you can act ungodly while we so quote unquote waiting on God. Oh, you got to be careful about that. You got to learn how to act godly while you're waiting on God. And as believers, we have to expect that when we make up in our minds to accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we make a daily effort to hear and apply his word, we can expect opposition as well as trials as well as hard times. That's why James let us know that it's a good thing, especially when we are allowing the joy of the Lord to give us strength. And when God's word is tested in us, and, and I told you, according to the text, you are going, your faith is going to be tested. That we are better able to grow and mature to the point that we become consistent in God in good times and not so good times. Let me share something with you real quickly before I go on. Testing is for your good, not your bad. Testing from God will make you a better Christian. It will mature you and cause you to grow. The problem, some of us, is when the enemy tests us, he is for our detriment. So that's the difference. God's going to cause things to work for your good. In fact, God can take the test of the enemy and work it for your good as well. Because he's God like that. 
Hallelujah. So now we're, we, 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 learn, we know this, we understand this, we're excited to come into God's house to worship and hear his word during times of peace just as well as times of chaos because we better understand his word. That's why we can go to Luke, like Luke 6 and 38. Let's go over to Luke 6 and 38. Luke 6 and 38. That's why we give when, it, when it's good. We give when it's challenging. We give when we have money. We give when we're challenged with money. I mean, that, that's just part of it. People say, I give when I got it. No, I give when God tells me to give. Because he know what I got before he asked me. <laughs> Luke 6 and 38. Hold on one moment here. Here we go. Oh, you know what I can't find? I'm looking at John. <laughs> Give me a moment here. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So we have, we, we have a desire to sow. We have a desire to sow, and thank God we got some good ground that we can sow into. Whew. Somebody say, thank God for good ground. The testing your faith teaches us, and we learn to put his word into action. We become more solid, more mature, and consistent in our walk with Christ. We, we put away child's behavior like anger and bitterness and resentment and jealousy and anxiety and fears and such like. And when it comes to operating faith, James really helps us in regards to faith that works. Let's go back over to James 2 and 26. James 2 and 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith, assurance, and belief, and confidence, and trust in God without works, a corresponding action or need is dead also. God's word is essential or necessary when it comes to empowering and equipping us to have faith and works. We must value God's word in every situation of our life. We must value the word of God above anything else if we're going to truly make due use of the daily opportunities that he provides for us. We see that our faith is activated by the word of God and has the power to keep us if we want to be kept. Go with me to the book of Psalms 119 and verse 11. The book of Psalms 119 and verse 11. If we want to be kept, God's word will keep us. If we want to be kept. Psalms 119 and verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word have I stored up, hidden is stored up, reserved and protected. And notice what David said in my heart where we make our choices from. We, we make choices from our heart and it'll help us not to sin against God. Jesus tells us also Matthew, Matthew 4 and 4. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Because he tells us that we're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Live means we're going to be active. We're going to make decisions. We're going to have what we consider moral character or godly character. But the answer is said is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Perceive means to be revealed or enlightened every word that comes from God. And as we live by his word, realize that we're part of his plan, whether big or small. See, we're a part of his plan, whether you are called to witness, to give, to pray, to sing, to love, to help others. Whatever it is, the more of the word you get in you, the more you understand that you are part of his plan. Everybody say this with me. I'm a part of his plan. And that's important to know that, I, listen, you may not have or do what somebody else does, but you are a part of his plan. Whether you just got into the church or you've been here for years, you are a part of his plan. Now, as we continue to hear and apply the word of God, we can be like the centurion man who was seeking uh, healing for his servant in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 10. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10. The Bible reads as follows. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes and to another one, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. Verse Matthew uh, 8 and 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. We see that Jesus said this man had great faith, quality faith, strong faith, mighty faith. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled at this man because he had great, strong, mighty faith. One point we can learn from this particular text is that when you believe the spoken word and you act on it, you could be considered someone who has great faith. And so believers this morning, if you believe what the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning, you can have what I would consider great faith. Great faith. Let's go back over to James 2 and verse 26. James 2 and verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. When dead in that particular text means non-responsive, non-responsive. And we want our faith to be alive and well, alive and well. I also believe that we want others to receive the benefits of our faith as well. And I know you do. You want Jesus as well as your loved ones to receive the benefits of you putting this word into action. So let's go back to James chapter 2 and verse 14 and look at some things that James tells us in this text. James 2 and 14 reads as follows. What does it profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have words? Can faith save him? So he says, what can? What does it profit? What does it benefit? What what advantage does it have? What does it gain us if uh, someone says he has faith but does not have works? And then James gives us a natural or a spiritual example. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, they are wanting, they're lacking, they're inferior or don't have daily food. And one of you says to them, 
depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But do not give them, do not deliver them, do not grant them or supply them or furnish them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? You hungry and somebody says, here, be filled. That, that might make me mad before it made me happy. Because if I'm hungry and I want something, I need something with nourishment in it. Nourishment. I need something to go hit the bottom because my stomach's going to my back, trying to touch my back, and I got, I'm growling. And see, some of y'all never been hungry before. That's, that's, you don't want, you never have experienced good hunger before. I'm talking about hunger where you are getting dizzy. Hunger where you feel like, I'm trying, listen, if I don't get some food, I'm going to fall out. Listen, that type of hunger can mess with your mind. And people can't be teasing you with food, talking about be filled and you be happy and walk away from it. James said that somebody who comes to you hungry, that they need something, and you look at them and says, be filled. Now, one of the indications in the text is that the individual has something that they could give them. Something that they could produce to them. Something that they could give them that will help them in their hungry situation. Notice what it says in another part. But let's, let's go to verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So in this text, he said... Somebody is hungry, they come to you, you tell them be warm and feel, and you don't do anything about the hunger. You don't do anything about what's going on in their life. But you got the necessary means in order to do it. And one of the things I thought about this, because I've learned over the years, I just get requests all the time for different stuff uh, here at the church, and uh, you can't help unless the Lord tells you to help them. We said, Pastor, were well, they hungry? Let me tell you something. I've been around this thing long enough. People will take your light bill money, your mortgage money, take it, consume it, and go on to the next person. I know it might be tough for some of y'all, but I'm going to tell you how people will do you. But you got to make sure you are led by the all-knowing God. God. You got to know what God tells you to do in that situation. And sometimes people go get mad at you. They're going to tell you stuff like the church ain't right. They'll tell you, you know, the church ain't doing this, that, and the other. And you got to just learn how to take it and not retaliate and move on. Ooh-wee. Boy, they got tight, didn't they? I know. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Show means to give evidence or proof by your works. And so we, when we see this, not just natural food, but let's think about this. Bays who are struggling in the faith, mature Christians who are struggling, and they're spiritually lacking the nourishment of God's word, but we remain silent or in some cases judgmental. It could be that our, that our works may not be aligned with our faith. Sometimes people look at you should know better than that. They'll say things like, you know what, if you was... If you were praying, you wouldn't have gotten that situation. Sometimes life just happens. And you may not respond to things the way that you ought to. Listen, be careful how you point your finger at other folks. Because you never know when your turn is going to come around. 
And you got to give an account of the things. You may be in the same situation that you got upset with somebody else to be in. So you better be careful how you say that. I'm learning as you walk with Christ. Listen, that's why uh, in Galatians it says, restore one such in the, in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. Let you be in that same type of situation. Our faith in, must be fed in God's word. That's why our faith must continue to grow. That's why we need to, when we run across people like that, we need to be in a position to share the message of Jesus Christ or study with them when it comes to the sermon notes, our Sunday school, our Bible, whatever it is. We got to be in a position to share Jesus with people. Got to be in a position to share. We can't be talking about, well, it's the pastor's job to do it. It's senior minister's job to do it. It's senior minister's job to do it. It's minister's job to do it. Now, if God puts you in the situation, break open that Bible. Get, get your app open. I would say open up your Bible, but a lot, a lot of people use apps these days. The Bible app. Get that Bible app. Go in there. You know what I'm talking about today. James 2 and 26. And begin to explain to them what the scripture's saying. That will give them the spiritual food that they need. Now, if you got questions while you're going, then you can call me. But don't be somebody, I want you to go see Pastor Dobb. No, you got the word. You've been listening to me month after month, week after week. You got it. Oh, look how they got tight there. I know it. That's okay, though. That is okay with me. Because we understand you can't just wait for other people because sometimes you may, may not be able to reach me. And God is saying, I'll put you in that position to help that sister or that brother who is destitute. They are lacking. They need Jesus. You never know what God will call you to be help somebody. And you never know. You say, oh, God, that's what Pastor Dowell was talking about. Yeah, that's it. But that's why we need the word. That's why we need the word. That's why we need the word. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17. Romans chapter 10. 14 through 17. Hallelujah. Reads as follows. How then should they call on him who they have not believed? And how should they believe in him who they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? And how should they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who have to believe thy report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we see here Romans 10, 14 through 17. How should they call on him who they have not believed? And how should they believe? How should they put trust and confidence in him? Him being Jesus who they have not heard. And how should they hear without a preacher? And sometimes you got to be the preacher that God sent. You're going to be the preacher somebody. That God going to send in their life to witness to them, to tell them about Jesus. And how should they preach unless they are sent? As written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach. Preach means to declare, to share, to share the good news, to evangelize the gospel of peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things? In verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing. What's the hearing? You get instructions as well as you get, you perceive what God is saying and doing in this hour and hearing by the word of God. Whether we're in the pulpit or the pew, we need to have works that are proof that we believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. 
In fact, it's our works or evidence because we're constantly looking for ways to share God's word directly as well as indirectly. That's why when you get the word, you need to apply it in your everyday life. That's why you need the omniscient God. John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. We need the omniscient, all-knowing, knows everything God, the Holy Spirit. Because when you get the word, you need help in applying it. You need help in applying the word of God. You need help. I would not ask anybody to apply the word without God's help. We need his help to apply the written and real word of God. That's why James 2 and 18 is so important. Let's go back over to James 2 and 18. I'm going to read to you again, then we'll go a little bit further. James 2 and verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So the works is going to be produced when you hear the word of God. What's the works? The acts, the deeds, the things done, a corresponding action based on the written and revealed word of God. That's what he's looking for. And I believe the executing of the word of God is what our Lord desires and not to be perfect in our execution, but to execute it. And as we do, the word being led by the omniscient God will help improve our execution of the word. Quick example, prayer. You learn how, you start praying and God will help you to pray. Are y'all following me there? You give and God will help you to give. Executing the word of God. Executing the word of God. In fact, our works are evidence because we're constantly looking for ways to do his word. To do his word. Let's go to James 2 and 19. 2 and 19. You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Notice this. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Tremble means they're horrified, they're struck with extreme fear. Can we see in the text that demons even believe in the power of God? Demons believe in the power of God. If demons believe, we ought to respect God's power. Don't you take God's power for granted. Because if demons believe and they tremble, what about us? We ought to respect what God is doing in our lives. Respect it. Respect it. Even demons believe and they are horrified. And I ask the question, why are they horrified? They know something. You, listen, if I see somebody and I look at them, I'm not scared of nobody when I first see them. But if I know something about them, I might be a little nervous. Oh, y'all missed that, didn't you? God, about it. Watch this. The demons know something about Jesus that causes them to tremble. <laughs> Therefore, when you come into the room, if you act right, they're trembling when you come. Because they ain't trembling at you. They're trembling what's in you. They know something that about you that you may not even know yourself. Oh, let me prove to you in Scripture. Go with me to the book of Mark 9, 38. There's a line there, but I want to show you something. 
that I thought was fascinating when I was at, when I was praying about this. Mark nine thirty eight. Now John answered him, saying, "Teacher, we saw someone who do, who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. How in the world are they casting out demons in Jesus' name and they're not following him? Because they know something about the name of Jesus." Boy, you can, you can use the name of Jesus to cast out devils, to, to cause people to be healed, to cause the power of God to operate in your life. And the demons know that the name of Jesus is nothing to play with. Therefore, I just don't use the name of Jesus just to be using it. If I use it, I'm serious about what I use it. Some people, they'll, they'll get their toe stomp and say, oh, Jesus. Now, it might be good if you use it for a good reason. But let me say this to you. Just don't use it unless you want power to be released in your life. you got to want something to happen. These people, I don't know if they heard something or they saw something or they saw the disciples casting out demons in Jesus' name or they saw Jesus casting out uh, demons in his name. But one thing about it, when they, when they saw Jesus doing it, they said, hey, he or somebody doing it, they said, hey, we can do that too. They went over to some people and they started saying, in the name of Jesus, come out of the man. And the man and the demons came out of the man. And, and they said, this thing worked. Can you imagine? They, they, they think and said, whoo, we can cast out demons too. I said, Lord, that's powerful right there. Because if they can cast out demons, what about us who are children of God? Who know the power of Jesus. Listen, we know that Jesus' name can cast out devils. Why are we not using the name? When you come into your home, when you go to work, when you go to your school, you can cast the devil out in the name of Jesus. Because if these people can cast them out, I know we can. And so they knew something about it. I can imagine they heard or saw something. And I see God. I said, Lord, if they tremble, what about us? We should respect God enough and use his name in a matter that is in, in faith and not in doubt. Let's go to our last scripture for the day. James 2 and 20. James 2 and 20. James 2 and 20. And he says this in James 2 and 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Dead means destitute of force or power, inactive, inoperative. One indication in the text that a a believer can have access to the power of God, but don't use it. Don't put the word into action. Don't listen. You got you can cast the devil out, but you're not using it. You can lay hands on the sick, but you're not laying hands on the sick. You could pray and cause things to change for the better, but you're not doing it. He gives us three things I want to I want to close with that will help us and show us how to put the word into action. And but and it's reading in the text. Notice what he said in the first part of James two and twenty. But do you want to know? That's a good question, ain't it? I propose that to us as a membership. As a body of believers, do you want to know? See, I can teach you until I sweat and I got, uh, uh, I lost five pounds sweating up here. 
and I could holler and scream till I lose my voice. But the question comes up, do you want to know? Do you want to know? This is what James presented to the individuals who were scattered. He says, do you want to know? Do you want to know? Because, see, God's not going to force information on you. He's not going to make you want to know his word. You got to want to know. To know means, and this is my first point, we must want to know. Very simple, but it's very profound. We must want to know. See, you can't sit there and talk about it's not available to us. God has made his word available to us. He's given us the omniscient God to help lead and guide us into all truth. But the question comes up, do you want to know? No means to learn, to understand, to become acquainted with. Do you want to know how to put the word in action? That's a good question, man. Because we can sit here and talk about this word all day. We can sit here and say, but my question comes up, do you want to know? Boy, that's a good question, man. Because that puts the ominous off of James and anybody else. The question comes up in my life. And I'm asking myself the question, just like I'm asking you the question, because I had to ask when I was studying this, God, do I want to know how to put your word in action? Do, listen, I'm not just hearing your word, God, but do I really want to know? Or do I want to find me a quick fix to get out of this mess I'm in? Do I want to find myself a quick, uh, uh, a quick fix so in turn I can get this pressure off me? But when you really want to know, it don't matter if there's pressure, it don't matter if people talk about you, it don't matter what you're going through, you make up in your mind, I'm going to seek the Lord with all I got, I'm going after him, I want him, I got to know him like a deer panting for the water. I got to know him. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? You come to church and still not want to know. You can read your Bible and you still not want to know. Now, some of us got children know that sometimes we can talk to our children. They really don't want to know. They just want us to shut up from all our talking. So they go on to do what they want to do. Look how y'all looking at me in here like I don't know. That's okay. James says this. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? See, I do come here on Sundays and, uh, and have our Zoom Bible study. I, teach, I believe that people in this sanctuary want to know. I want to know. They want to know that God is real. They want to know that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. They want to know that God is doing exceedingly abundantly above in their life. They want to know that God is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is my protection. He is our prosperity. They want to know if he said it, why night came to pass in my life. I want to know that his word works. I want to know the power is resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know that God is real. Because when I'm out there dealing with the world, and I'm out there dealing with the pandemic, when I'm out there dealing with my children, and my relationship, and my workplace, and my school, I need to know that he's Lord of Lords, and he's King of Kings. I want to know when they're talking bad about me, I got to know if I hold my peace, the Lord going to fight my battle. I need to know that when I'm suffering in my body, I need to know that sooner or later God going to heal me. 
I want to know. Ooh, I want to know. And you can't play with that right there. You can play with everybody else. Sometimes I get policies, I get stuff in the mail, I skim through it. I don't read all of it. And then somebody got the nerve to ask me, did you read what you got? And I'd be like, I read a little bit of it. I read enough to get by. Because I really didn't want to know but just a little bit. See, with God, you got to really know him. You got to really know him, everything about him. You got to know the six. You want to know the 66 books. You want to know what God is speaking this Sunday, last Sunday, midweek service. You got to want to know. And my question for you this morning, do you really want to know? All right, let me go to my second point. Notice what he says in the text in verse 20. Oh, foolish man. So my second point is don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. I'm going to give you the scripture reference. You can read it later. But Psalms 14, verse 1. Psalms 14, verse 1. Let me give you the definition of foolish. Unwilling to learn. Notice what he said in the first part. He asked, do you want to know? And then he says this. Oh, foolish man. He said, hey, if you don't want to know, foolish. Unwilling to learn. Unwilling to learn. Notice his next definition. With no purpose. No purpose. Next definition, the void of truth. The void of truth. And my favorite definition, one, I, <laughs> I like this definition. I'm going to read it to you two or three times, and I pray you get it. Boast about faith, yet without the fruits of faith. You boast about faith, but you don't have the fruits of faith. Let me read that again. You boast, oh, I, I am the righteousness of God. But ain't got a lick of fruit in your life. It's like me saying I can sing. I can blow. Oh, I can sing. Boy, I ain't sung one note yet. And so people like me say, well, sing then. You follow them? If you say you can sing, sing. If you say you can play, hey, that the keys. That the keys. Show me something. I can play the drum. Well, I play the drum like the best drum player you ever heard. That L. Look, that is sticks right there. Show me what you got. Show me. Show me. You know what I'm saying? Post about it, but have no actions to go with it. Call him what he called foolish. I'm going to read to you Psalms 14 and 1. The fool is in his heart. There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done a bond of There is none who does good. My point is this. One must be willing to learn about Jesus' word to know his power. You, you must be willing to learn about his word to know his power. And my third point is this. Because it says that faith without works is dead. So the third point is this. Faith with works. And I chose this one because you could, there's a number of different scriptures you could choose for this part. Because when you got the works to go along with your faith, and I chose John 10.10, 10, you can receive the abundant life. The abundant life. The abundant life. John 10.10 10 says, in the latter part, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. Superior. I like this definition. Upgrade, extraordinary, bigger, as well as better, and super added. Three points. 
We must want to know. Don't be foolish. And faith with works will bring you the abundant life. And let me close with this point right here. As we study this scripture and study other scriptures, I want you to know one lesson I've learned from this, and I will probably repeat this again, but I want you to understand this. God will give us a word. He will give us scripture examples of how that word applies. Sometimes he gives us natural. Then he'll say, go out and do it. And then after you do it, he'll say, come back. What do we learn? How do we grow? How do we get better? And repeat the process. Everybody understand that? He's going to give you a word. He's going to give you scripture. I mean, give you scriptural examples of how to do it. Then, then you got to go out and do it. We got to go. We, I got to go out and do it. You got to go out and do it. And as we go out and do it, then he, he will come back into the house of God and God will help us to do it better. Faith that works puts the word into action. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.